the meatless farm was set up literally without having a master plan. I didn't sit down and write a business plan and say, oh, I, I'm going to make millions doing this. I, I, I just set it up because my wife said, oh, there's a product I would like to have. And then I believe that our mission and our ethos for that reason is quite simple. We, we set it up with just, well, let's just give people a, a good product and, and, and then not communicate. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 213 of Screw It, Just Do It with me, Alex Chisnell. On this week's show, I welcome Morton Toft Beck, founder of The Meatless Farm. Driven by concerns about health, the environment and animal welfare, Morton and his young family were keen to reduce their meat consumption, but found a lack of tasty and inspiring plant-based options were available to them. Therein was born The Meatless Farm, and a team of nutritionists and chefs were put together to launch a range of meat alternatives. Their alternative to meat, not just in taste and texture, but also its environmental impact. The Meatless Farm is Europe's answer to Impossible Foods, the Californian plant-based meat startup that made headlines around the world and is valued at $2 billion. Whilst Beyond Meat, another US Competitor is valued at $5 billion and pulled in hundreds of millions in cash from everyone from Katy Perry to Bill Gates. Four years into the meatless farms journey and Morton pumps out a thousand tons of plant-based mincemeat every month. It's stocked everywhere in the UK from Sainsbury's to the co-op and also distributed to supermarkets in the US and Canada through Whole Foods. Also, the pub chain Weatherspoons also stocks the Meatless Farm, and sees 200,000 burgers a month. And they're also stocked in the Green King pub chain, the UK's biggest pub chain. Now, Barclays predicts a £140 billion industry. As you know, I'm super interested in all things related to health, diet and nutrition. Currently on my second go round of 75 hard and once again I'm not massively enjoying the food plan I'm on. So therefore really enjoyed chatting to Morton about many things including taste, texture, sustainability and we had long chats about preconceptions, social media and Gen Z and competing and how to get your angle. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I know when we look back at the top 10 most listened to episodes of 2019, 
all things to do with health, nutrition, wellness, uh, were, were all in the top 10. So I think this one is going to be very much the same. Uh, so without doubt, let's start up. I started 2016 and uh, and then it just it, it's it was a slow slow pace in the beginning because I didn't really know uh, you, you know it, it was a it was a new thing at that point in time we hadn't really seen anything from the likes of Beyond and Impossible uh, that only came much later so so I I, I set it up to, to my, my wife is vegetarian and we were living in Ibiza at that point in time and she awesome. complained that the local the local uh, supermarkets didn't have any products that was easy for her to just cook with for the kids. Mm. And, uh, you, you know, you're making your own lasagna with six different types of beans. You want to ensure that the kids get the right iron levels and the right B vitamins and amino yeah. acids and so forth. And then, and then when she mentioned it, I was sort of thinking, oh, that makes sense. You know, why don't you just make a product that has all those nutritional values and function just as a regular mince meat? Which is where the sort of the the analogy comes into to trying to recre recreate what what meat is essentially. And then I went to a research lab in um, in in the south of, uh, of of London in 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 a place called Reading. Yeah. Uh, and and I knew there was a, a renowned uh, food research lab. So I just went down and saw them and and suggested that. Uh, that we should develop this product together. And they, and they said, yes, uh, they, they, no one else had asked them about that. They thought it was exciting. I would own the IP, which was great, you know, important for me as a, as sort of, if, if there was a business to be had afterwards. Mm. And then, uh, and then we, we, we started it and it took about 16 months to, to get a product that was, that was okay. That could sustain the, the acidity from tomatoes could, could be both fried in oil, but also baked in a, in an oven and, 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 you know, the, these, these sort of regular things that you need to subject the meat to. And then, uh, yeah. And then from there on, it was just basically setting, setting up a business when I realized, oh, there's a product here that I actually believe people will buy. Mm. <laughs> and, and then it went from there. Yeah. It's an interesting time. I'm sort of speaking to you about this, I suppose, because not dissimilar in that, um, my wife became vegetarian a year ago and it was that, our children a little bit older they're um, 10 and 11 but it was that whole thing of trying to try alternatives and you know with the children kind of guessing what she'd done to change the spaghetti bolognese or the lasagna or the chili and put in you know chickpeas and all, all kind of different beans and lentils into things and try trials with corn and those kinds of things so um, yeah it comes at a really interesting time I mean, like, like you know personally yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, the, the, I think the thing that I was very fortunate with was, was the timing that I got, I got right. I mean, I, 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 just a few years ago, no one was really, well, people were talking about it, but, but to live a vegan lifestyle was, was the fringes. That was something extreme. Yeah. And, you know, the old joke, how do you know someone is vegan? Well, they'll tell you about it and, uh, and, and mm -hmm. so forth. And that was very much the, the, the stigma that 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 veganism had, and and now it's turned into something much more mainstream because I think there's a link to, I mean, obviously health uh, yeah. and animal welfare and, and you know the usual things, but but really the environment is the one that's kicked in that people are starting to understand that the, the way that that sort of agri meat animal agriculture is, is is moving and has moved over the last say 25 years is completely unsustainable. And, and that we didn't have just a, a couple of years ago, really.
in in the public domain the same way. Yeah, I was gonna, I was going to say to you, you know, so so many interesting things to talk about, but one of them is you know um, how come the 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 right products, the right time, the the right person, you know, why now? And do do you think it's you know overwhelmingly it's the unsustainability of the the world's lifestyle essentially that's come to the fore and more more and more so in the mainstream media yeah i very i i think so i mean there's very prominent people uh standing up for for, for the environment at the moment that that you didn't have before uh so so that that's that's definitely playing in um i also think that the the younger generations are are doing something because they now have a platform to communicate with that they didn't have before. Uh, social media is probably in that sense, you know, there's many discussions about how that's affecting our democracy and all these things. But if you want to look at it positively, it is affecting the way that people are communicating about topics. Uh, so young people have a voice. Uh, Greater Thornburg is only only one of them, but but there's a there's a lot of uh, of millenniums, for example, that 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 are. I believe living in a lifestyle which is which is doesn't incorporate animal products in them simply because they've been exposed to it via via their friends and by social media. Mm. Um, I think that's that's helping as well. Um, yeah. And 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 when you kind of look back at when you started, like competition-wise, um, how do you look at the the brands you've, you've already mentioned, like Beyond Meat and and Impossible, and um, the, the vast budgets that those those brands have? What do you think that that you can compete on? Um, is it by being you know, having less saturated fat, having more fiber in what you're producing, essentially making it more healthier? I guess is is the obvious. Yeah, I think I think part part of it is is cleaning up the ingredients deck and uh, and just communicating slightly different. I I, I think that. A lot of people are talking about Beyond and Impossible, and and the Meatless Farm is being mentioned as the European version of of, of those. Uh, and and you know that I see as a, as obviously as a, as a compliment. It means that we're we're one of the big guys out there, which which we surely are, and I've been lucky to be positioned there. But I just don't want the conversation to be about how how many billions or millions the company is worth and how much no. they have, and because and that's very much where I feel the conversation is angered about our our U.S. competition. Right. That most people know Beyond Meat because they had this IPO and then they became worth mm. uh, God knows ten billion dollars, and and uh, you know and and that's the wrong that's the wrong focus. So I do think that there's there's room for many different type of brands that are communicating different things. The Meatless Farm was set up literally without having a master plan. I didn't sit down and write a business plan and say, oh, I, I'm going to make millions doing this. I, I, I just set it up because my wife said, oh, there's a product I would like to have. And then I believe that our mission and our ethos for that reason is quite simple. We, we set it up with just, well, let's just give people a, a good product and, and, and then not communicate. So I, I guess... And this is, I don't want to talk about anyone specifically, but some of our competition are quite divisive in, in, in the communication and about the meat industry not existing 20 years from now. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think the meatless farm is more about balance and, and not sort of polarizing uh, between vegans and meat eaters. And, you know, there's, there's generally too much conflict uh, in, in the world. And I, I think... We, we just want to say, hey, you know, eat meats if you want to sometimes, just eat a little bit less of it. And, and when you do, then try 
try to, to eat the meatless uh, uh, products uh, maybe once a week. And just by doing that, you're already adding positively to, to it. And as, yeah. as the industry develops, not only the meatless farm, but, but you know, all, the, all the different companies that are out there now, um, money is coming into the area, which means we can hire more research scientists. We can develop better products, cleaner products, healthier products. And, and that means that eventually people will swap more from meat into into plant-based products because the the taste and the texture and and and, and the offerings are there. So so it's sort of I think we're in this positive snowball effect at the moment where it'll only get bigger as it rolls down the um, the mountain. Yeah, surely. And um, interested to know when you when you started out, both the uh, the name of the brand um, was that. Uh, did that come to you straight away by calling it the the meatless uh, with with the word farm in there as well? Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, so I, I was I was just I believe that there is a, a close link to sustainable farming as well. I think that we just wanted to say that there could be a sustainable way of looking at farming and farming farms can exist without. Uh, animal slaughter. I mean, th- this is how they traditionally existed. You you had two or three cows on, on your farm and some and some pigs, mainly for own consumption, uh, and then and then you sold grains. Uh, and and I think you know that there's obviously a story to be had there as well. The, the problem is not all the little farmers. The problem is that you've got agricultural farms where you've got ten thousand cows and you know fifteen hundred slaughtered an hour. And I, well, I don't know the stats. I'm just making it up. But yeah. you know, the, the, the very very big automized slaughter, uh, slaughterhouses and, 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 and I don't think that's not farming to me. Um, no. uh, so, 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 and then, and then, yeah, the meatless farm, it just, if we, we had a, we had an agency afterwards coming to us and telling me that, Oh, the name you have to, you have to, uh, you have to do a, an analysis on whether this is the right name. And, and so mm-hmm. we went forth and back with different names and, 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 and it just, you know, it just stopped. This was the right one for us. And, and it was literally the one I just that just yeah popped up from the beginning. Really interesting, interesting, um, and interested as well um, around the designing um, your meatless meat to look like real meat. How how much was was that part of the original conversation, or how much has that evolved over the last couple of years? No, that was very much my my initial sort of back back say in, in sixteen. Okay. Uh, my 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 first say. Uh, brief to 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 start developing something because if, if you think about the friction at at, at purchase at point of purchase so it depends on whether you want to be a a retail product or you want to be a, a, an exclusive uh, restaurant product so yeah. if you look at strategies of some of our competitors uh, impossible for example well they started out purely as a restaurant brand you know selling it in and and and, and being a being placed in, in restaurants where you don't actually see the product. So in that sense, it doesn't matter so much. That's where corn also would fit in, yeah. that they have a product which doesn't really resemble anything, but when it's cooked, it's closer to the, to, to the real thing. But, but if, if, if us, in our, in our case, we, we, were, we were going for retail uh, to start off with, well, then you need to make a product that actually looks similar because it has to do with people's point, uh, friction points when, when they purchase. If, if you have something that looks totally different and you tell them, oh, you can just cook a spack bowl how you normally do, it's not going to work. You need mm-hmm. to have something that looks the same where you know you take the minced meat, it looks like minced meat, you put it in your pan with your oil, you add your, your garlic and your onions and your tomato, you know, you do exactly the same. There is no difference. And I think that that, that for us was, uh, was a key point to making this, the swapping for, for people easy. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. And um, talking about f- people's preconceptions, maybe um, when when they come to you, uh, do you still get people's preconceived ideas that they think um, you know food innovation means lab coats? People think that the the food is scientifically processed. I mean, what kind of preconceptions have you have you got? Yeah, I mean, I think the media is probably the consumers not so much. We 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 yeah. mainly we're mainly getting positive feedback from people using it and saying, "Oh, you you saved my 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 you know five a day. Uh, it's it's a lot easier. I can now make a lasagna, and the kids don't even know that they are not eating it uh, meat." And, and so 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 we get positive feedback there, but there is obviously a pushback from from certain news outlets that, that yeah. uh, one can only speculate where, where that comes from. And it, it's normal. It's, it's a traditional industry that had 70 years to grow really fat and really efficient that are now being threatened by small upcoming companies. And we weren't taken serious uh, until recently, but, but now that you are starting to see volumes and, and you can draw um, lines to what's happening within dairy, for example, and you see plant-based Dairy products mm. are really taking a percentage of the traditional dairy, yeah. uh, and 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 the same thing is happening to to meat. So so obviously mm. um, the meat industry is aware of this, and and uh, and I hope they will collaborate with us because it's not really we, we, we should all be on the same page on the page of the of the planet and 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 improving uh, <laughs> improving farming methods and and, yeah. and 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 you know if people start eating. So listen, I think the problem with, with the meat industry right now is that you can go into a supermarket and you can buy 500 grams of essentially an animal, a dead animal. You can buy that packaged in a supermarket for, say, uh, three pounds or, or say, four dollars. It, it's too cheap. You know, that should yeah. not be possible. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the part where I think we, with, with using... Uh, plant protein, we can hit those price points easily. Yeah. Maybe right now we're struggling a bit because we don't have 50 years of or 70 years of efficiency uh, and volumes and so forth. But over time, we will be able to hit a price point that is sustainably lower and will still feed people with the same type of protein, just much more efficiently at a, at a, at a lower price. So, and then if you want to have a really nice steak uh, on, 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 on Saturday, well, then there is still this sort of sustainably grass-fed uh, approach to animal farming and 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 you know I'm I'm not gonna raise any uh, moral you know viewpoints it, it's mm. not my job to do so but but if you want to do that and then, then I'm sure that that is that is sustainable as well also for the planet mm. it's not great for the for the animal that's being slaughtered but you know that's a different point yeah that's a different story <laughs> no, yeah no I always think my my mother always brings up you know been brought up as a as a young girl um you know tail end of the second world war and she always just said you know meat meat was a was it was a treat it wasn't like a buy a chicken for one pound fifty down your you know local supermarket you know how is that you know sustainable and what are you actually eating and you know all those kind of conversations as well um but t- tell me a little bit about it i think people would be really interested to know like when you um the ingredients that you use, where you where you get protein from, um, and and how that's developed over the last couple of years as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I, I think by the way, the Sunday roast is called the Sunday roast because it was something that you did specially on a Sunday, and then and then the whole family was gathered about uh, around that feast, right? And and yeah. that, that it's just that the Sunday roast became Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> Friday, and, and Saturday Jeez. as well. So. <laughs> but yeah. the, 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 in terms of the ingredients, yeah, well, then 
what, what we do, the, the process of making this, uh, this type of product is, is constantly improving. So, so we're never satisfied. We, we've never been out and saying that we were a bleeding burger and that you wouldn't taste the difference between our burger and a meat burger because there is a difference uh, in, in taste and in, 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 it's just not a big difference. It's, it's a difference that's subtle now and, and we are getting better and better with our, our versions. We're coming up with a, with a new generation of our burger that's coming out in spring, which is a step even further to, okay. towards becoming very close uh, mm. part of that process is making the texture and taste and color more more real yeah uh, real being the, the you know, it, it, copying the way that that meat essentially looks and but the other part is a nutritional point and a, and a cleanness of ingredients deck so so there's certain things that we are striving for in the process so for example we take a, a pea from the from the farmer that pea gets milked into a into a flour then we put it through a fractionation process where you segregate essentially starch and uh, and a powder that is higher uh, in protein because mm -hmm. as you know meat is generally better at transporting pure protein than than plants is so you would need larger amounts of plants in order to get to the same amount so mm -hmm. the, the way that we can match gram for gram the protein to meat so it's about 20 grams per 100 grams is by doing this fractionation so right. so the fractionation has previously been a um, or is for, for many or many of our competitors as well is a, is a, a process where you are adding a it's not a clean process it comes out as a clean in a, a product at the end but yeah. it but it's not it, it, the, it, this fractionation has not been a clean fractionation but there is a way now that we we're, we're launching into which is a thermomechanical process where you just basically add water and steam and and with, with that you you don't need any any, any, any chemicals, so to speak, that, that has to, to help with the segregation. It's just basically, um, it's just a, a thermomechanical process now. And then you segregate these, these two, two uh, ingredients. So you get a protein powder, you take that protein powder, and then you put it through an extrusion uh, machine. And that extrusion is, again, it's pressure and steam. And that then creates these strings of fiber that okay. we use to give you the, uh, the, the, the texture. And then you take them out, you either dry them or you use them wet. There's different ways of doing it. And you, you chop them up into, into chunks that are, that are those sort of meaty chunks you have. And then you mix that with, with the, for example, beetroot color and uh, flavors, natural flavors that, that you want to add. Um, and, and, and you get to an end product, which is then extruded on a normal meat processing machine, essentially. Uh, so it's, it's put through this sort of vacuum extrusion where it comes out and, and, and on the same sort of uh, packaging lines as you would with, with minced meat. And then we, we put it into packages and, and, and send it to, uh, to, to retail. So that sort of from start from pea to, to, to plate, so to speak, for our yeah. process. And, and how quickly did you, you manage to get traction? Because you mentioned like volume before, and I see like um, with, with the pub chains, you're, you're churning out hundreds of thousands of um, numbers per month just for your burgers. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, they, uh, yeah, we went from producing a few tons to, uh, I think our current uh, production capacity is around a thousand tons per month. Uh, and it's only going up. We're adding more capacity, as you can hear, with, with various factory builds out stuff uh, yeah. at the moment. So, so it's, it's, it's really, I mean, people are using these type of products. They, they are 
the, the conversion is happening. So that's very, very happy to, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to see that, that, that it's, it's both, both from, from an environmental point of view and, and also from a business yeah. point of view, it's a lot easier to get uh, and attract uh, in, investors and interested parties when, when your product is selling well. So, so that's great. And with that, we will improve the product more and more. Um, mm-hmm. But but the um, the actual manufacturing is is, is obviously a, a timely process. It, you don't, machines have lead time. It, it's sort of last year we, we were more in that typical process of where well the demand was greater than the supply yeah. and uh, and and TVP which is uh, which is this process I, I explained to you where, where it goes through the extrusion is yeah. it's, it's texturized vegetable protein uh, that is a a relatively new, well, it's an ingredient that's existed for a long time. It just hasn't been used a lot. And now it's being used a lot. And that means that the, the, the price has gone up three times on, 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 on this sort of stuff. Wow. Uh, and, and there's a shortage of it in the market. So, so that okay. created for us a few issues in terms of, oh, we, we have to be careful with how much we're selling because we want to actually be able to deliver to what we promise as well. Mm. Um, so those are the growing pains of a, I guess a, a, a young company going very fast. And and do you, when you look at the the, the data um, that that you've been getting as well, um, what does it able to tell you what kind of audience um, you mentioned? Like you know, the millennial audience before. Do you, do you see it right across the board though, or do you see it more in line with that kind of you know sixteen to early thirties? No, I, I think we're seeing it spreading a little bit further. We, we, had a, we had a branding session recently where we were sort of discussing where do we, who do we address our messages to? Uh, because as any expert, I'm not an expert in, in marketing and branding, but you know, as any expert would tell you, uh, it's, you need to have an addressable target. You need to know, you can't go, go, go to everyone. Yeah. So we're sort of looking at who's actually buying this product, but it is a really wide uh, range of, I would say from, from 15 to 50 probably and 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 in there where we still need to probably do more with the uh, with the gray gold and and get them to get them to to leave the habits behind but uh, yeah. but it is a so i think we have we have the young people there and naturally the millennials let's call it that that, that have the purchasing power now uh, yeah. they will buy this product without any sort of that's just the way they live and then, and then there is the, the, the mothers out there and, and the, that with families that will buy it because they want uh, their, their children to eat healthier. And then you've got the, 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 new, the newcomers into it, the flexitarians that are all the rest of us that like to have meat once in a while and, 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 and are eating it not for our kids or for anything else, but just because we want to we wanna try to do something as well. And, and you yeah. actually feel better as well. I mean, to be honest, I... If, if I, and I'm not a strict um, vegetarian, but so if I'm out somewhere and people are serving me meat, I'll just, I'll take a little piece of it. I won't eat much, but I'm, you know, for me, it's a, it's, I'm, I'm flexible as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm likewise. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I can feel it afterwards if, if I've had meat and, and not being used to it. So, so say I haven't had mm. meat for two weeks and then I'll have a, 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 a meal with meat and, you know, the digestion and you sleep worse. And so there yeah. are certain things that you, you wake up to those facts and then you suddenly, you know, mm-hmm. it's a Interesting. bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and you, you mentioned earlier, um, investment as well. And I, and I saw the, the channel for investment, um, that, that must've been interesting. How, how did that come about? Cause that gives you again, access to a, a very interesting audience. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, that was, how did that come about? I think it was an introduction and we, we met, the, we met the, the, the good people at, at Channel 4 and they, they very much share our ethos in terms of an organization. You know, they, they're, they're Channel 4 state-owned uh, by, by the, the, the British state, essentially. Uh, but but so, so all the profits that they're generating are invested back into... Uh, culture and arts and environment and you know there's a lot of good things actually happening out of, 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 of what they do so for them it was w when they realized that we, we were serious and, and we actually took our our mission to to reduce uh, meat consumption serious then then they were they were very happy to be involved um, and it gives us yeah it gives us an opportunity to go out and, and reach an audience uh, a nationwide audience in the UK and now I hope we can find similar deals in in America where it's it's obviously a lot uh, larger uh, and more fragmented market to 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 penetrate than the UK. Yeah, and at the moment, is it is it Whole Foods? How you're able to to reach your audience in the US? Yeah, so so we made a we made an exclusivity deal with Whole Foods, and we've okay. just signed a supply agreement that goes into 2022 with them. Uh, so we have a a, a very good uh, established relationship. Uh, they've they've been very good to us, and 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 we're very happy to, to, to work with them. They gave us the opportunity to, in, in the US, it's very much about getting with the national distributors and then uh, trying to get na national distribution if you can deliver to the demand, that is, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and they helped us with that. So, so we got nationwide with Whole Foods from day one, which is obviously, uh, you know, starting to give you a, a platform where you can begin to communicate uh, messages and spend a bit on, on social media, advertisement and, and so forth. And, and now we're coming out of the exclusivity period we had with them and we'll launch into multiple of other channels uh, over the, uh, the next, say, six, six to 12 months. Um, so the U.S. is a very, very exciting place. Uh, consumers are, are really buying into these products. Uh, Beyond and Impossible have created an amazing hype around it in the U.S., which mm. we are benefiting from as well at the moment, that the consumer awareness is, 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 uh, is very high. So yeah. it's... It, but, but you know, the U.S. is not a market that that is uh, the the it's not the holy grail as such. Where where I think some some think because of the size and you start making some numbers in your head and you go, oh wow, this mm. is enormous. It, it is enormous, but it's also an enormous challenge. So we have yeah. to attack it with respect and then just sort of. I, I've given it a, a five-year window in my head and said, well, we'll just grow gradually, do our best, create good, tasty food, and then it it it'll all come. Yeah. Uh, and that, and that's that's how we, we we approach the US and try to try to do it over there, be the European right. player. <laughs> yeah, and, and and from from your point of view, like personally, is this the uncharted waters for you? Like from your from your past, I see like some of the um, kind of big names that you you've, you've taken on to to help you. You know, former um, head of media at Coca Cola, head of Lidl's, VP of Kellogg, etc. Um, yeah, putting a really solid, high achieving. Um, band of people together with you because this must be you know uncharted waters i'm assuming for yourself to to, to scale like this oh yeah i mean uh, completely and and i think as, a, as an entrepreneur the, the most important part is is about looking at, at capability uh, ceilings and gaps in your organization and that includes very much you, yourself as well uh, if your ego gets in the way and you think you, you're the best at doing everything then i believe you will fail so so i'm 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 very keen to identify my own strength and utilize them, but at the same time also 
realize what I'm not so good at. So, so I haven't run a food business before and I haven't run a business with, with all, I mean, fresh food is, is a different ball game. It's, it's, it's quite complex in terms of supply chain, uh, in terms of manufacturing logistics and so forth. And so there are certain areas, say the, if I were to describe myself, I would probably be the architect. I, I sort of designed a house that looks good, but then you need the engineers and, and the contractors and the builders to, to actually build it up uh, so you can live in it and, it, and it's, it, it's, it's functional. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's what's happening right now. You're getting a lot of very talented people who knows their, their areas of, of, of expertise very well, and they will, they will help me. I mean, there's an opportunity to build uh, a, a global food brand uh, yeah. at the moment, which is you don't run into these opportunities very often. So mm. uh, for us, it's just grabbing them with both hands and just run with it, which is, yeah. is what, what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, I think 100% you, you just see this opportunity to, to build like a global brand, like in any industry doesn't, doesn't come along very often. But in, in that specific industry, you think, yeah, is it, you know, every decade? Is it more than that? I don't know. It's, um, it is, is a hell of an opportunity. And, um, Last last question for you, Morton, and thank you so much for your time. Is um, given the speed that you're, you're moving, or you know the industry is moving, how, how much has your your role changed, and what do you try and do day to day at the moment, um, or you want to do kind of longer term? Yeah, good good question. It's uh, it it does change all the time, uh, and it changes as these capacities come in. Uh, into the business, um, as, as you mentioned before, some, some very senior uh, capacities have entered now. So, so obviously, it's, uh, it, it's changing. Um, my, my role is, is, is these days less, where, where a few years ago it was literally um, screwing tables together, lying, lying on, on my knees and, 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 and building an office from, 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 the, from the bottom <laughs> up with, with yeah. Yeah, assembly of, of Ikea furniture and so forth. Now, now it's, it's, it's quite different. Uh, and so, so I, I find myself, uh, most of the time I do uh, investor, investor relations, uh, mm. talk to new incoming investors, uh, informing the existing investors about progress. Uh, I do quite a bit of, of, of media and talk to journalists and, and people like yourself. I, I, uh, I, I, I attend trade shows, uh, investor conferences, that sort of stuff. So it's more of a, of a public profile rather than actually running the, the bolts and bips of the, of the, of the business. Um, yeah. And that, I think it's just where, uh, where, where my role is, 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 is most, well, that's where I can, as a founder, I can still add something to, to, the, to the mix. Uh, whereas if, 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 you know, if, if I go and discuss with my supply chain manager about some, some specific issue very, very fast, I realize that he, he knows a, a lot more than me. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good feeling. That's a yeah, good they're, feeling. They're not going to send you to, um, to Tribeca in New York to start um, nailing tables together either. No, I think we have someone that uh, is actually doing that right now. Yeah, we, <laughs> we've, we've gone from being a, a, a child to being a, a, a teenager, quite a grown-up teenager right now. So it's, it's a, yeah. I mean, I have to be honest. It's the, the, the meatless farm, the, the, the brand, and this, I don't know how, we've, how this happened. It just happened very organic, but it, it resonates with, with a lot of people and, 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 and getting all that feedback about the, the also we've, we've done a few sort of, you know, those surveys where you, you test the strength of your brand and mm. surprisingly, surprisingly strong. 
and, and it's just we've been very fortunate with that, and and, and I'm I'm super proud that 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 is that's the, that's the case. But I'm also aware that you need to keep working hard at it because just as fast as it comes, mm. it, it, it you know it could go the other way. So uh, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of competition coming in, and 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 but the lucky thing is the category is developing. It's it's not sort of a cannibalization where we will take the shell space from someone else. It'll actually be that the shell space is widening right now. And as yeah. it widens, the offers become wider, public sees it more, they will buy more. You know, it's, it's sort of that snowball effect I mentioned in the beginning of the of our chat. I'll direct everybody to, to meatlessfarm.com to, to check out your products and uh, the developing ongoing story. Um, it, it's a, sounds like it's a hell of a ride. Um, and uh, thank you so much for your time. You sound like an incredibly busy man. So thank, thank you for eking out um, 30, 40 minutes out of your day for us. No, brilliant. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Great talking to you. Keep having these conversations where I could just keep talking with my guests for, uh, for hours. Seems to be a regular occurrence. Um, but as you know, super passionate about all things to do with um, health, diet, nutrition, wellness in general, um, and how we can um, tweak our lifestyles to give us a better life at the end of the day. And it's it's something I'm really interested in. I think I'm uh, 100% by the time you've listened to this would have tried their products and um, already probably consider myself, and I love this word, flexitarian, in that I have tried to reduce my meat consumption Um but I still enjoy the taste of meat. Um, I still enjoy, you know, Sunday roast. Um, I don't know if I could give up lamb. Yeah, roast lamb, something about a roast lamb. Um, and, you know, number of other meals as well. But I definitely want to um, implement this and try it out as well. So um, I will find out where my nearest co-op Sainsbury's are that stocks their products. Um, before diving in, I just wanted to do a quick mention to um, the next podcast launch program course. Um, this is the second cohort that I'm going to be hosting for my program. For those of you who want to find their voice, um, share their message with the world and launch your own podcast. So only taking on the first 50 people. We're starting in March. We'll onboard you, give you some homework to get started and then every week a new chapter will be released as well as a live webinar with me where you can ask me whatever you want every single week live and also WhatsApp group to, to answer questions in between as well. So all you need to do is go to avid.fm forward slash Alex. That's A-V-I-D dot F-M forward slash A-L-E-X for full details on how you can join us. You've already had a successful first cohort with numerous podcasts launched. I hope that you could be the next person we help. So on to um, a couple of subjects I wanted to pick up on. Preconceptions is an interesting one, isn't it really? Um, preconception uh, around this product, but throwing that back at you and thinking, Try and think of it from the consumer's point of view. What preconceptions do you think that your customers might have about you and about your products and services um, and what you can do to allay those? That uh, could be quite an interesting exercise for you to do. Um, you know, are there any barriers that need to be broken down between you and your, for, for being able to get new customers to your business? Uh, Social media, Generation Z. Yeah, I thought this was really interesting. Um, we mentioned that, you know, how easy it is now for 
the younger generation, the youngest generation, um, to be part of the conversation, to have a voice. Um, again, one of the, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with social media like a lot of people do. I have a love-love relationship with podcasting. Um, and I think it's just an extension of that, you know, being able to have have your voice heard. You know, podcasting gives you your own channel. Social media um, gives you a number of different platforms to shout about that, uh, but they're owned by, you know, the big media companies. You don't own that, which is, again, another reason why I love podcasting. You own your content. It's your library. Um, but I thought that's, that's you know, no doubt why this is the time. You know, Morton seems to be, you know, the right, the right product, um, the right person, the right time, uh, the right audience, uh, the right message. Very interesting, very interesting. Um, and maybe gets you thinking about, um, you know, how you're targeting um, that demographic. Is that part of your demographic? Are you speaking to them in a way um, that they can understand and even that they listen to? Um, you know, I say to a number of businesses that I, I, I work with on creating their new podcast that, um, the most popular demographic that listens to podcasts is 18 to 28 year olds. If you haven't got a podcast, you're not speaking to them in their language. And I'm obviously not putting myself in that audience, clearly. <laughs> so, uh, and last one, competing. Um, how to get your angle. If you can't compete with the big boys, what can you compete on? You can't don't want to compete on price necessarily unless you want to get into that kind of downward spiral fight to the death, um, I think. So what can you compete on? Can you compete on quality? Um, can you compete on taste as in um, and in, in this case and in the, the, the cleanness of the ingredients compared to the big guys? Things like that stand out. People buy into stuff like that. People buy stuff like that. Um, it, it resonates. People are looking for cleaner, healthier alternatives. So something for you to think about um, in your own business as well. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, as always, any questions, let me know. Um, at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Alexander Chisnell, uh, Instagram. Uh, would love to know um, your comments on this week's podcast. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you if you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org. I promise to reply. Just give me a little time.